0: I'm so excited that our Honduras team is back. You know, you, you never know when you send people out and, and uh, you hear stories about different things. And we trust the Lord that the same God that protects us here will protect us wherever we go. And, uh, but it's a blessing when you see them return with joy on their face, knowing that they've been uh, carrying the kingdom, carrying the gospel, and sharing that with others that may have never heard about the love of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, this morning I want to share some truth with you. And, and I know that um, sometimes we, we cringe when we think about that because we don't like it when stuff is pointed out in our lives. But I want you to know, I want this to be an encouragement for you this morning because I'm talking about the strength that God gives, it's the strength that comes from Him and not from ourselves. And many times, you know, we're just struggling to make it through. We're just struggling one one foot in front of the other. We're, we're walking this journey, and we're trying to, to do what we know we need to do. And it's in His strength that, that He meets us. And uh, I just want you to to recognize that, that, that um, I don't have all this dialed in and, and figured out. I'm, I'm working out my faith with fear and trembling, just like everyone else is. And... Um, you know, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and if you have your, your scripture and want to turn there, um, you know General Dwight D. Eisenhower, he once said, war is a terrible thing. He said, but if you're going to get into it, you have to get into it all the way. You have to fully commit to it. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at spiritual warfare And you know, sometimes uh, believers are defeated in their Christian lives because they're not seriously engaged in the warfare to which we are called. Each one of us is called to that. Warren Wiersbe, he says this, he said, It comes as a shock to the new believer that the Christian life is more of a battleground than it is a playground. And many times we're not prepared for that battle. And I, I, I want this morning for you to understand that we are engaged in a spiritual battle every single day of our lives. It doesn't let up. It doesn't go away. It doesn't get easier. We are involved in spiritual warfare. And folks, it's, it's that serious. Sometimes we don't, we don't get it. You know, um, as a pastor, I can always tell when a new believer is starting to mature because they find themselves fighting battles. (laughs) I think it was Charles Spurgeon, he said, you know, the the enemy doesn't ever uh, kick a dead horse. So if you're growing in your faith, the enemy is is out with your number, uh, wanting to to take you out. But let's read in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read verses 10 through 17. And um, God's word says this it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, "...having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God." Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for bringing our team back. I thank you for the work that they accomplished in the country of Honduras. I thank you for bringing them safely home. And I ask, Father, that you would continue to see your work go forward in that country as as many come to know Jesus in a very personal way. Father, we know this is your will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, Father, we pray according to your will. We pray, Father, that not only in that country, but also in our country, Father, that men and women and sons and daughters would give their hearts and lives, Father, to our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, for the salvation of souls. We ask, God, that you would burden our hearts with our neighbors, with those in our family who may not know you, Father, with coworkers, with, with people who don't have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that as a church and as individuals that we would run to the battle. Father, that we would be battle ready, that we would be um, so engaged, Father, that, that we would not have any time to, to be disobedient. But Father, that we would follow your orders to the letter. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill us and that you would use us for your kingdom glory thank you father for this time that we can spend worshiping you keeping the sabbath holy and father recognizing that you are using this time to refocus us on the task ahead father we love you and we praise you in jesus name we pray amen Amen. you know these words of of paul Verse 10 says, finally. That sounds like, a, you know, when we, when we hear the word finally, we usually think, well, the, the letter's about done. The message is about up. You know, finally. And so, basically, Paul has been, uh, he comes to the end of this letter and he's carefully established throughout this letter our place in Jesus Christ. The fact that we are in him for all eternity, sealed in him and, and what he does is he, he establishes us in Jesus and then he gives us the basics of our Christian walk with him. What that looks like, how that is played out. And then in this last section, he's dealing with our walk. Our daily one foot in front of the other walk. And it, it's, it's like he's saying this. In light of, and I don't mean, you know, being light as in not weighing much. But in light of, as the light is shining on, okay, the light from above, in light of all that God has done for you. When he says this word finally, he's, he's putting behind that all of this stuff. In light of all that God has done for you, in light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God. In light of his great plan of all of the ages that God has made each one of us a part of. In light of the plan for discipleship, for maturity, for growth that God gives to you. In light of the conduct that God calls every believer to live. In light of the filling of the Holy Spirit within you. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives within you and and, and our walk in the Spirit, in light of all of that, there is still a spiritual battle that happens every single day. In light of everything that God has done for us, we still have a battle to fight. See, recognize that is what Paul is saying here. And the detailed teaching of spiritual warfare in this passage represents two essential components. The first one is you must be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's the very first thing. Secondly, he says, you must put on the full armor of God. Now, the two are essential. And a whole lot of teaching on spiritual warfare neglects the first. We jump into this and we say, well, put on the the full armor of God. But prior to that... Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Now, this is key. One of the reasons that we gather on Sunday morning and we sing songs of praise to our Lord and King Jesus is so that we can gain strength and encouragement in our daily walk. What we do all week long. Now, when Paul says be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, we need to take spiritual strength in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully I'm going to flesh some of that out. But think with me, if you will, for just a moment. If you take a physically weak person, someone who is is feeble, someone who is weak, and and they, they can barely stand and you put the best armor on them, they will still not be an effective soldier. They're easily beaten. So equipping for spiritual combat must begin with being strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. I mean, before a soldier is given a gun or shown how to fire artillery, or even a missile. He goes through what we call basic training. Now the basic training, the, the great purpose of that is to build up the recruits' physical strength. To build up their physical strength. You know, they, they, they've even you know, coined that phrase, army strong. Okay, I'm not, I'm not diminishing any of our other military I'm saying they want to build up the soldier's strength personally. And so it is as if our military says, Soldier, I'm going to give you the best weapons and I'm going to give you the best armor. <laughs> but if you're going to use that to its ability, you, you, you must be strong in order to use what we give you. It's going to be heavy to carry. You've got to build up your strength so that you can do this. See, this word power, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, it really means dunamis, the the ability, the ability to do what you could not do before you met Jesus. I guarantee you, before Jesus became Lord of my life, I would never have imagined in a million years Preaching in front of people. But you see, the strength that we have in Him allows us to do things that we wouldn't have done before we came to Christ. Whether that's going on mission, or living with your spouse, or honoring Him in the workplace, whatever it looks like in your life. See, the Holy Spirit now is in our lives. We have an advocate. We have a comforter. We have someone within us that gives us the ability to do what we could not do before. See, he lives in our inner man, if you will, in order to strengthen us, in order to cause us to be able what we could not do without him. But here's the problem. The world has a way of infecting us. And the world's way of infecting us is alluring us away from our commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, not so much at this point in our culture, but it could be someday. The, the world does not infect us by a, a frontal assault or even persecution. But it's, it's done through alluring us. By alluring us to adopt Its own standards, by alluring us to adopt its own way of thinking, by alluring us to adopt its own lifestyles. See, we begin to look at sin as if it's normal. Well, it's normal, it's not normal. We have a bent towards sin because of our sin nature, but it's not normal. The normal relationship should be right before Almighty God, our Creator, our Maker. But you see, the world lures us into believing something that is not true. That we would believe that we would look at sin as if it's normal, and we begin to look at righteousness as if it's abnormal. That somebody who is, who is sold out to God is a freak. That's, that, that, that things should not be that way. you got to fit in with the rest of us. In our sin. In our abnormal behaviors. You see, we begin to feel almost apologetic in holding to the things that we have held to because of what Scripture teaches us through Jesus Christ. We look at it and we say, man, I'm sorry, call me old-fashioned, you know. Um, The world lures us, and, and that's the way the world works. It infects our thinking and it woos us over to its side and calls us to abandon our commitment to Jesus Christ. To compromise. To tolerate. To not be intolerant. You remember years and years ago when the astronauts went to the moon. They wore specifically designed suits that cost about $250,000 each. See, without them, they would have frozen or suffocated or floated helplessly in the low gravity of the moon's atmosphere. They needed special equipment to accomplish the purpose in, their alien, in that alien environment. See, Christians are also on a special mission in hostile territory. And God does not send us out there without the necessary equipment to survive. Amen. Not only to survive, but also to succeed and accomplish the mission that he is sending us for. See, he's the one who gives us the strength if we will use it. See, the nature of his strength is this. As Christians in the world, we need more than our own resources and our own abilities. If we are to be strong, we must be in the Lord. And I can't think of anything more powerful, more strong than our Father. The creator of all that is. The one who very, very words spoke the universe into being. That's the God we serve. That's who our Father is. If we're to be strong in Him, we must be in the Lord. His armor is the Lord, the armor of God. And that term, full armor, is a single word in the Greek. It's carried over into English as panoply. Panoply. P-A-N-O-P-L-Y, panoply it means a complete or an impressive collection of things synonyms might be array a range a collection the full panop- panoply of america's military might okay when you think of armor when you think of our nation you think about how vast our military is and how strong it is and all of the different things that our military could bring to bear on a situation that's the panoply and really, what he's talking about here is the full armor, is the panoply of God's resources. It's all of that, that vast collection of God's resources is for us when we fight the battle that he has put us into. All of those resources are available to us. Folks, that's huge. That's so so far beyond anything. And it's more than just defensive equipment. It's more than just getting away with our, our lives. It is fighting the battle, and it includes resources that are needed by every single soldier in God's army. See, I don't know if you knew that, but when you signed on with Jesus, you became part of his army. Onward, Christian soldiers. See, for us to depend on our own strength alone would be like the astronaut going to the moon, trying to breathe his own breath instead of having an external oxygen supply. Oh, when we are serving the Lord, he is equipping us, he is resourcing us, he is empowering us to do his will. But you see, there's also the necessity of his strength. Paul says we need more than human strength because the enemy is more than a human enemy. It's a spiritual battle that we fight. He says there, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's the devil himself who seeks to destroy us. You know, it's kind of like when you're getting ready to do something in the kingdom. What does he do? He attacks you. He plants all kinds of doubt in your mind. You can't go. You can't do this. You shouldn't go. What if that person ridicules you if you share your faith? What if that person doesn't talk to you and doesn't want to be your friend after you tell them what Jesus Christ has done for you? You see, the enemy is working in that way. But we don't just struggle with human problems. We're up against a spiritual evil that fills the world and extends beyond this world into the spiritual reality itself. But you see, I would tell you this morning, I would tell you this morning, do not underestimate the power of evil. Now the greatest weapon we have in this spiritual war that we're cast into the moment we accept Christ as our Savior. The moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior, we become part of this spiritual battle because we have chosen a side. See, as long as we were neutral, as long as we weren't causing the enemy problems, He left us alone. But once we come to Jesus, once we make a commitment to him, then the battle starts. The greatest weapon that we have in the spiritual battle that we're cast into is not what we say to the devil. It's how we live the Christ life before him. The greatest weapon that you have is Your obedience, your surrender, your submission to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, the greatest weapon that we have is our allegiance to Christ and come what may following him. Because then the devil knows he can't have us no matter what. See, we live in a hostile world, and I don't need to burden myself on what I need to say to the devil, but when I bow and I say yes to Jesus, then I instantly become a fortress against the devil, because I've made my stand, I've, I've, this is where I am, and this is what I will be, is I will say yes to Jesus. Folks, we need to hear that. Because there's a lot of believers that aren't saying yes to Jesus. We're running around trying to to make it fit in. We're trying to to not be offensive to people. We're trying to do the things that we think we need to do in order to fit in with the world. Well, let me tell you something. I don't want to fit in with the world. Because I don't serve the world's Lord. Lord. I serve the Lord Jesus. And that means I may look different, I may act different, I may walk different than others who walk in the world. See, that's my weapon against the enemy is when I say yes to Jesus. My submission to our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, also we have the availability of his strength. Paul defines God's strength in practical, down-to-earth realities. You know, more than just praying for strength in, in the abstract and saying, Lord, give me strength. We are to put on or deliberately apply certain elements that are already available. Yeah, Be strong in the strength of the Lord and the power of His might, but put on the full armor. Put it on. Paul mentions six, and he compares these items to a soldier's battle attire, and he says, the belt which supports and holds together everything else is truth. (laughs) Our society does not believe in absolute truth. The absolute truth that we read about in God's Word. <laughs> the belt is the truth. Folks, the belt is what holds everything else together. You know, and I, I think that's, that's huge because when we think about truth, it is truth that is the, the, the thing that holds everything together. The truth. What is truth? Jesus Christ is truth. He's holding it all together. The breastplate which protects the vital organs is righteousness. Not your righteousness, not self righteousness, not my righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from the Lord Jesus. His righteousness protects our vital organs. The shoes which protect and support and move us forward are made up of the gospel which we bear. Hopefully we're sharing that with others. The shield that protects us from the attacks of the evil is faith. Folks, these are all very practical things in this battle that I'm talking about. We need a covering. We need something to hold it all together. We need a shield to to hunker down behind. When the flaming arrows are coming. When the enemy is attacking. We need a refuge. We need some place to take those flaming darts away from us. To extinguish them. And literally that's what the shield of faith does. The helmet of salvation. It's the helmet which guards the head. Is your salvation. It protects you, it guides you, it helps you in this. And the one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Oh, how we need to know how to use our sword. It cuts both ways, in and out. We need some people who are skilled with swordsmanship. The Holy Spirit using the Word of God. By and large, we are ignorant of the Word of God. Oh, but we want to have another Bible study, Brother Ridge. For what? Apply what you already know. See, we spend so much time studying God's Word, we are educated beyond our level of obedience. But it's our obedience, our submission that is the greatest weapon that we have in the the fight. It's not knowledge. It's our submission. It's our obedience. See, those who live, whose lives are confident in this kind of strength, the strength that we put on, they will not go down in battle. They will be victorious. They will move forward in victory. You know, Ray Stedman, he, he has an interesting analogy that applies to believers <clears throat> Excuse me, who are ignorant or apathetic. They don't know and they don't care regarding the spiritual battle and God's sufficient provisions. Think about this with me. He talks about a mental hospital that had devised an unusual test for its patients to see if they were ready to be released back into society. And and, and they brought candidates for release to a room where a faucet was turned on and water was pouring out over the counter, over the sink, onto the floor. And next they handed the patient a mop and they told him to mop up the water. If a patient had a firm enough grasp on reality to go over and turn the faucet off before they started mopping, then they were ready to go back into society. But if he started mopping up the water without turning the faucet off, they knew that probably more treatment was needed because they really didn't have a grasp of current reality. Now while we would never miss such an obvious step of shutting off the faucet before mopping the floor, the fact is that many believers live their lives that way and it's from a spiritual point of view that is equally ridiculous. Because as believers we've been given the mop of God's truth... And we've been told to use it to mop up the evil in the world all around us. But we can only be useful in mopping up the evil around us if we have enough sense to shut off the flow of evil that pours into our own hearts from the world. See, this is a problem. We think that we can mop it up around us without turning off the faucet. It's a battle with which we are all engaged every moment of our lives. Because the world, the outer arena of the battle, we're in the world, so so it's always with us. But there's also the inner arena of battle, the flesh, which is within us. And so we can't escape the world and we can't run away from the flesh. We must always begin Our battle, right at the point of where we are. But we have to choose to shut off the evil within. See, we don't have to volunteer to find ourselves in the middle of this war, it's involuntary. The war has already come to us and it's raging all around us. Through the world, it's raging within us through the flesh. You know, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The key to turning off the faucet in our life is to crucify the flesh. To no longer be walking in the flesh, but to be walking in the Spirit of God and allow God's Spirit to lead us. Allow His Spirit to guide us and stop walking in the flesh. You know, you might be thinking, well, that doesn't seem right at all. I thought that when you became a Christian, that Jesus would set you free from Satan so the devil couldn't bother you anymore. And I thought that converting to Christ would take you out of the battle, not thrust you deeper into the conflict. And if that's your concept... Of the Christ life. You couldn't be more wrong. Because the closer you get. To Jesus. The hotter. The battle waxes. The hotter it becomes. So listen. To be strong in the Lord. You must be. In the Lord. If you're going to be strong in him. Then you got to be in him. Reminds me of a missionary from a different era in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. He wrote the following letter to his friends back home. He said, Man, it's great to be in the thick of the fight, to draw the old devil's heaviest guns, to have him at you with depression and discouragement and slander and disease. He doesn't waste time on a lukewarm bunch. He hits good and hard when a fellow is hitting him. You can always measure the weight of your punch by the one you get back. When you're on your back with fever and at your last ounce of strength, when some of your converts backslide, when you learn that your most promising seekers are only playing games, when your mail gets held up and you don't, some don't bother to answer your letters, is that the time to start crying? He said, no, sir. That's the time to pull out the stops and to shout, hallelujah. The old fella's taken one in the gut and hitting back. Heaven is leaning over the walls and watching. Is he or she going to stick with it? And as they see who is with us, as they see the unlimited reserves, the boundless resources, and the impossibility of failure... How disgusted and sad they must be when we run away. Folks, we're not going to run away. We're going to stand. And we're going to stand firm on the rock of Christ Jesus. See, we all stand firm when we stop walking like we used to before we met Christ. And as we begin to walk in love and in light and in wisdom... And in submission one to another. The war is a matter of trusting and obeying our Lord. And as we do that now, in these evil days, we prepare ourselves for that great day of evil that is yet to come. See, a disciple's life is a question of being faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. And I want you to know this. There's three things. It's a war. A lot of junk happens in war. The power to win is available. The victory is already won. And you must put his power to use in your life look you can choose to be impotent and fruitless you can choose that even when living within you is the power to do beyond anything we could possibly think or ask you can be the lethargic indifferent and cold Drifting in and out of church and still be in heaven for all eternity by the immeasurable grace of Almighty God. You can be lazy, you can do all the things that you just want to do here and still make it to heaven. But if we choose to live that way, then we will forfeit the blessing that God has for us in this life. See, it's always obedience, then blessing. It's always obedience, then blessing. First the obedience, then the blessing. Not only that, you're going to fail to glorify God to the extent that we should if you choose not to be fruitful. I mean, you can turn your back on all the available power, You can dull the energy of the Holy Spirit. You can say no to the incomprehensible work that God wants to do through you if you so choose. To sit and do nothing in a war is not an option. You either run or you fight. I want to fight. I want to stand. I want to be what God calls me to be. Because when my life comes to an end, like the Apostle Paul, I want to be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the Lord Jesus who gave his life for me. Father, I I don't say that lightly. I recognize that apart from Jesus, Father, I'm I'm just a filthy dirty sinner that deserves And eternity in hell. For the things I've said. For the things I've done. For the rebellion against you, Father. But thank you, Lord Jesus, for living a sinless life. For giving your life for mine. So that on that day when I stand before you, Almighty God. that the righteousness of Jesus, His righteousness, will cover me. And on that day, you will see your perfect Son, and not this frail child of dust who was a sinner on this earth. So Father, for that kind of amazing grace, I say thank you. For that kind of forgiven sin, I say thank you. For all of the wonderful things that you have done for me. I say, Lord Jesus, help me to stand firm. Help me to be strong in you and in the power of your might. Help me to put on the full armor of God. Lord, I ask that in this moment, in this time that remains our time together as a corporate body. I ask, Father, that You would draw us to You. That Your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. That, Holy Spirit, You would examine each one of our lives and our hearts. And that You would show us where we've been inconsistent. Show us where we have not been obedient to You. Show us where we need to Turn over areas of our life to you. Maybe areas where we've given over ground to the enemy. Father, we want to be victorious. We want to show this world your strength in us. Father, I pray for a heart and an attitude of obedience. Of submission to you. Of humility, of one, of just bowing before you and saying, Father, show me how to be obedient to you. Lord, we love you. I ask that you would guide our time of response. Father, that you would just guide us into all truth. About ourselves, about our society, about where we find ourselves today. And Lord, that you would do it for your glory and for your honor. Father, give us a heart of repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.